You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett Blankner with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. All right, on today's show, we have an interview with the one and only Rachel Joyce, female pro triathlete, winner of the 2011 ITU World Championships and second place in Kona in 2013. It's a really cool interview. We talk about all kinds of interesting stuff. Women, 50 women pros to Kona. We talk about uh, how she sets up her bike, uh, calories on the bike, and then also the all-important topic of coffee. Lots and lots of coffee. So it's a really good interview. Glad to have her on the show. And we do lots of the training log where I cover a variety of things like uh, executing the end of your stroke in the swim and how to use fish oil in a way that you may not have thought of. And all kinds of great stuff in there. Lots and lots of stuff. All right, but let's go ahead and get started with the triathlon news. Here we go. So the Boston Marathon is going on right now as I'm recording this. And the way those guys run and girls, it'll probably be over in five minutes anyway. It's amazing how fast they go. And (laughs) a friend pointed out to me to check it out online that an Austin triathlete has gone out off the front and is currently running in front of, you know, the Kenyans and such. And that's a little crazy. Um, and I was just cracking up to myself that it's a typical traveling. <laughs> we really do think that we can do anything and everything. No problem. Including leading the Boston Marathon. All right. There's that. And then also, we got some big news in cycling. Uh, the UCI is the governing body of, you know, most major bike races. And we're thinking uh, mostly road bikes here, but they are going to allow disc brakes in two events of any team's choice uh, starting, I believe, in August, which is right after the Tour de France. And what this, what this means is we're going to start seeing disc brakes on road bikes a lot more often. And... Um, there's a little bit of uh, retro grouch uh, backwardsness, you know, fighting against it. Kind of like, well, you know, there uh, you could get into an accident, and the edges of these disc brakes could uh, cut somebody up really bad. And I do kind of agree on that, but why not just round the edges just a little bit so they're not quite as sharp? You know, that would take uh, 30 seconds per disc to do that, and. Also, they're being used in mountain biking and cyclocross, and you never hear of uh, any uh, injuries that way. There may have been some, but I've never heard of them. So I think what we're going to see is disc brakes on road bikes uh, a lot more often, and maybe not on time trial bikes because uh, there is a lot of aero loss, and time trial bikes are made for um, triathlon bikes. We're already, you know, riding with our hands off the brakes when we're in the aero position, you know, the hands on the shifters and such. So 
uh, triathlon bikes are more uh, flat, flatter terrain and less technical terrain. So you genuinely don't need, you know, high powered, high powered brakes for that kind of stuff. But I can tell you when I went from good quality, uh, V brakes on a mountain bike to, well, first off, when I went from a mountain bike with regular, regular brakes to V brakes in the mid nineties, I was blown away that you could do such a thing. They were just amazing. And then now, uh, a few years ago, I got a mountain bike, and I noticed that with the with the disc brakes, you don't your hands don't get tired is the big thing on mountain on mountain bikes because you're constantly braking and you're able to have control of the bike better for longer because you don't have to apply anywhere near as much pressure on the brakes to get them to work and. The, uh, I would say if you're on a road bike and you ride where it's really hilly and technical and you're always having to use your brakes, that I would definitely go for, for disc brakes. And then they perform better in the rain and such, such stuff. All right, there's all that. And then Rotor came out with a new power meter. There's a whole bunch of power meter stuff. Go, go over and check uh, dcrainmaker.com for all the power meter stuff. He's really into that and does really good reviews. But Rotor came out with one that's really fascinating. It fits inside the bottom bracket shell, and so that's the part where your pedals, your crank arms attached in the middle of your the underside of your bike, and it uses a torque tube uh, to sense twist, and I, I think it's left foot only, but I believe the power meter is going to be maybe 700 and something dollars, but I think it's actually easily transferable from bike to bike, possibly. And it runs on a double A battery for like forever. It's pretty cool. So it's a new place to put a power meter, and it's cool to see such a thing come to market. And then also another gadget, the Recon Jet has finally, finally been released. This thing has been. Well, I guess it started on maybe it started on Kickstarter, and it got such huge amount of funding and attention that you couldn't help but notice this thing. For gosh, it's been a year or something like that. So you know how Google Glass uh, does like a little head-up display and and your peripheral vision, all kinds of stuff. So this is like Google Glass for um, cycling, running, all kinds of stuff like that. And so you can do sunglasses, you can do clear lenses or whatever. But imagine running along. And in your peripheral vision, it's just showing digits, reading off your heart rate and your pace. Um, it's really fantastic and it's going to be uh, really cool stuff. There's a couple of downsides still. It is, uh, I think the battery life is only maybe two hours or so. And as of this moment, I don't think that they're doing power meter data. But when they do and they extend that battery life out... I may try to get one of these things. I think it's pretty cool. All right, so that's all the news that's fit to print. And let's go ahead and get started with our interview with Rachel Joyce. Uh, we made friends over Twitter talking about coffee. <laughs> and I asked her if she could be on the show, and she said definitely yes. And we actually had such a great time talking about all kinds of cool things. And I hope to get her on the show again soon. Oh, and I should say that there's a couple times, a few times, where she sounds Skypey. That's where Skype started cutting in and out. And uh, Rachel is not a cyborg. She's not from the future and not made out of electrons and diodes. 
and circuit boards. She's actually uh, just uh, losing connectivity there and then uh, hopping back in. And then when we wrap up the interview, i got some interesting stuff to say about sweat rate and such. All right, that's, <laughs> that's, that's how we get started with the interview. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. Hey. Hi. How you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. Are your uh, are your dogs okay or your dog? Uh, she seems to have livened up a bit this afternoon. Oh, okay. So, what kind yeah. of dog? What kind of dog is it? Um, a little lab. She's Aww. ten years old. Aww. And uh, yeah, she had a, a funny tummy last night, and then she cut her paw. So. Oh. And we're first-time dog owners, so we're like, "What do we do? What do we do?" <laughs> ten weeks. What? What does she weigh? Like thirty pounds, twenty pounds, or is that ten pounds? Or or what? You don't do you weigh things in pounds? <laughs> uh, I'm putting to grips with pounds. Um, <laughs> I would say she's probably yeah. I don't know, probably twenty, twenty-five pounds. Yeah. So I've got a big black lab named Kona. Ah, okay, cool. And he drags me all around the neighborhood. He weighs eighty-five pounds. He's huge, and I think, uh, yeah, I think she's going to be big. Her paws are pretty massive. Yeah. So cool. Well, I'm glad yeah. she's okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for rearranging. Oh, not a problem at all. So I'm super excited to have you on the show. We got a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, def- I was almost. We were. I was almost late to talking to you because I was reading tryequal.com. Okay. <laughs> and I was reading all of your profiles of everybody that's on on tryequal. Yes. And it's yeah. so fascinating where everybody comes from, you know. Yeah. And uh one of the first things that I learned that I didn't even well I was reading the article by and I forgot her name, but the editor for Traffleet magazine. Oh, Julia. Yeah, uh, she just wrote something for Outside. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Hello, you know, yeah. And it's a really good article. And yeah. then she said that um, Sarah Gross actually has a PhD in women's studies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's exactly the kind of person you would think WTC would hire as a consultant to f- figure out what they should do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh what's new we had just had hillary biscay on the last show talking about this and thorsten rad and so we've covered a lot of the a lot of the issues uh with the pro equal the equal pro women count um i yeah. reading that um i wanted to get like your take on things and then also um if uh just reading the article that was in now an outside magazine online i think it is i uh I know I finally learned one of the um one of the points that WTC or Andrew Messick is trying to stick with that because last night I was explaining to my wife uh, I was told her I was excited because you were going to be on the show and we were, and uh, she said oh cool what are y'all going to talk about and I said this and I my wife isn't really like tuned into the whole like triathlon scene as much like what's going yeah. on or everything and um she's like there's not the same number of pro women as men. And I go, yeah. And I was just, I was kind of trying to egg her on a little bit to see, you know, cause my wife, 
Uh, she didn't even minor in women's studies, but she took a lot of women's studies classes, and she's got a degree in psychology. And she was yeah. like, she was like, "What in the world is going on? This is ridiculous." But yeah. um, one thing that I learned was I'm trying to pull up my notes here. The Andrew Messick said was women pro if they put 50 women pros in the race, then the slower ones will get passed by a bunch of age groupers. Uh, I guess men. I don't know. Maybe even eight. There's this thing where there's a whole lot of age group women that won't become pros because it's because they can't get in the Kona. I've heard that. Yeah. And then, um, but I guess that slower the slower pro women would get passed by men, and then that would somehow tarnish the in- image of Iron Man. Well, it's just a load of. I mean, I find that really insulting to the women because I think what he's actually saying is that the pro women would get passed by the age group women. And yeah. I, I think that is his point because, I mean, to be honest, there's no shame in being beaten by the top age group men because, I mean, for instance, Carl Buckingham was like 18 months ago, he was racing as an age grouper in Kona. Now yeah. he's a pro and he's podiuming Ironman. So if he beat you when he went 840 in Kona, <laughs> right. well, good for him. You know, yeah. He's just went 13 minutes quicker than the Ironman record for pro women. Yeah. So that's a load of tosh. Yeah. Um, I think what he's saying is that the pro women will get beaten by the age group women. And firstly... Yeah. Some of the pro men get beaten by age group men because there's a boom and bust strategy in Kona. People put everything on the line, and that, th- that means they're walking the last 10K. Yeah. They feel that that's a risk worth taking, and I'm sure there are a lot of, you, you know, I've overtaken pro men on the way back on the Queen K, and it's not because I'm a better athlete. It's because they went for it. Right. So it, you, that's a stupid argument. Uh, but, but it's just, it's insulting. Yeah. And I know like, uh, Sonia, I always have trouble saying her last name. Sonia Wick, Sonia White. Anyway, she's like 35 to 39, um, age grouper qualifies for Kona every year. I think wins her age group and, and lots of races, if not is the number one ranked, like she's, I think last year she was the number one ranked age group woman, right? Yeah. Could totally be a pro, but the way it, I think there is something to, the way that why be a female pro if it's so hard to get in the Kona, uh, so much harder if to get in the Kona than a, than a guy. Yeah. yeah. And and if you want to race in Kona, then it's and you're probably not going to make that much money as a up and coming pro. You know, there's a lot of factors that come into play yeah. as to whether to turn pro or not. And, I mean, it's slightly been addressed now by the fact that there's a separate men and women start in the age group fields in Kona, but it's a different race. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a good age group woman swimmer, you're going to come out of the water with a whole bunch of age group, fast age group men riders. Yeah. And that's a dynamic you just don't get if you're in the pro women's race. And that's why it's a very difficult transition because you go from, and I've done this transition. I've been an age grouper and I've made the transition to racing pro. And it's, it is very different because all of a sudden you have to push the pedals the whole way. And there isn't, 
you don't you I'm not saying that those women are looking to draft but it's just the way it is there's a lot of traffic yeah on the coming out at the same time at the world championships and that's why I think you see some like extremely fast times by some of you know a number of the age group women on the bike because it is a different dynamic and so you're kind of comparing apples to oranges if you I mean I did the Clearwater 70.3 world championships in its first year in 2006 as an age grouper I had a faster bike split than all but you know six of the pros was it because I was a better biker no it was because I was in this massive bunch of you know I tried to not be in this bunch but yeah it's the fact of life there was a lot of traffic there was a lot of bikers on the road at the same time yeah I, one of my highlights of of racing ever was at Ironman Texas um I caught a female pro on the bike towards the towards the end of the bike ride and I didn't think anything of it as like whether or not she was fast or slow or anything. I thought it was awesome that I managed to catch a pro and I just figured she was probably just having a bad day or something which you know athletes have and I didn't think I didn't think the first thing about like the athlete's image as far as like being caught by age groupers or anything like that to me the women's race is a totally different race it pros are a different race than the age groupers and then the guys race is a different race than the girls race yeah and it is fun it is fun to kind of compare your I mean I did it as an age grouper I wanted to compare my times to the pros because they were the people that I was aspiring you know I wanted to be in their race I wanted to see how I cut you know how was my compared to their run and that's one of the unique things about our sport is that we are racing on the same course on the same day in similar conditions so you get to do that comparison um but to say that he thinks it's going to kind of i I can't remember the exact phrase but it's it's pretty insulting from memory i think it's Um, but say it's tarnishing sport is i just it's does he realize he's insulting like 50% of the population with that phrase? Yeah. And you don't have to be a pro woman to be insulted by that. I think any woman yeah. would be insulted to say that they've got the CEO of a race organization saying that the sport could be tarnished by the pro women. Right. And, and, it, and it's so ironic because, uh, Right after that comment, uh, further down in the article, there was a quote by Julie Moss, um, who was, you know, pro um, advocate of having the equal number of, of women. And, um, and you know, it made me think almost everybody that's my age or older that's doing Ironman, um, and I can't speak for younger than me, is doing it because of Julie Moss. Like, the, yeah. the women... The, the Iron Man was built on the backs of of women kicking ass in this sport, and then the the director for the race forever that grew the race to what it is was a woman in the in the second place. Yes, yeah. And Julie Moss crawling along and struggling was what like brought everybody to want to, men and women alike to want to do this sport. And, yeah. to, and to think that uh, somebody not doing well or like executing this, the race, actually doing, executing the race poorly <laughs> in a way is why it goes, oh man, this thing's hard. That, this that is really hard. Yeah. And, and 
everybody that's my age or older is doing this race because it looks incredibly difficult. It has nothing to do with who caught who or anything like that. Yeah. So. And no one, I mean, no, no one takes any notice of, you know, the person that could be walking across the finish line one day could have executed an amazing race the next week. Yeah. You know, it's... That's the way Ironman goes. There's huge. There can be a huge discrepancy in performance. According to you know, you drop a gel. You you don't eat enough. You overheat. Yeah. And so, it could happen to men. It could happen to women. And I don't think people judge. No. If that happens, so. Um. So, uh, I got a couple other things. Like uh, I saw that uh, you are an editor, or or something for WhatsUp.com, and. Or a writer? What's up? Yeah. Yeah. I love What's Up's Twitter feed. Oh, it, it it's is fantastic. It makes I, when I watch when I watch a race, I definitely have What's Up's Twitter feed on there. And it provides better coverage than anything and it makes you forget that there's even a guy's race going on. <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah. I like sometimes find myself oh actually let's I've got friends racing on the guy's side. What's yeah. going on? But the coverage that they provide is amazing. I'm surprised that the guys aren't saying we need to get one of these things going to because I think Steph, who created Wits Up, she does such a great job of covering the races and that raises a pro you know, she does a really extensive um race previews so every woman on that start line is getting some exposure and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think the job she's doing should be underestimated because the person that the newbie pro who no one's ever heard of could be the person that is um that could be the person that is uh winning next year right yeah they make it what's up it's twitter feed makes it seem like so yeah it makes it like yeah there's way more of a race going on and it makes you way more involved. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and that's that extra exposure that the sport needs. And it's funny yeah. that somebody from outside of the sport is doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, <laughs> you know, she, at the moment, she's not making any money from doing this. It's a passion. You know, she started it. It's a passion. Yeah. And I really hope that it starts to kind of become, you, you know, sponsors kind of get involved and she starts making, you know, a living from it soon. Yeah. Okay, so in the uh, in the near future, in a few weeks, I'm actually going to be in a small room, one of s many people, sort of many. I don't know how many people yet, but in a small room with Andrew Messick. Okay. Know, I don't know how I pulled this off, but I'm in there. So what do I <laughs> what do I need to say to him? Do I take one of these five Q decals and like stick it on his arm, you know, while he doesn't notice, or pat it on his back, or or um. If if I could say anything to him, what 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 do we need to say to him to get him to change? Do you know, like one thing I don't understand is I've had some really constructive discussions with Andrew, uh -huh. and he's on so many things. He's extreme. You know, he's obviously great at his job. He's been doing it for a long time, and yeah. he's he's been um, receptive to to discussions with pro triathletes about a number of reasons i just i just really don't understand why this is such a big sticking point to him it seems to have gone so i would just 
like I'd love it if you could kind of get to the bottom of why this one issue is such a major sticking point yeah. when when it's shown like the the outside uh, magazine article uh, Julia did a really good job of like showing that actually now there are much there are a, a lot fewer pros at oh yeah actually racing so when we Oh, no. about there we go space on the pier uh-huh. well look you've almost got 50 percent of the number of pros that you had five years ago so can you still hear me yeah i can you just you got kind of skypey there for a second but i think you're back. okay i know what you're talking about yeah the number of pros has dropped dramatically yeah um, over the past uh few years and then to say that well there's no there's no room for the pros then uh, i was explaining to my wife last night one i was like well pros don't WTC thinks that pros don't make them any money, right? Yeah. They cost in the short term, and that's the problem. Is always people think short term, so they think, you know, in the short term, pros cost them money. Age groupers make them money, so cut the number of pros, and or watch the number of pros. Don't add pros. But in the but it's it's a failure to see that pros actually um, make the sport look incredible, and that gets more people. <laughs> joining up because the, the pros are the um you're the symbol of the sport of like if you this is what humans could do you know if you trained enough so and these are people that yeah. are doing it right so follow these people and you could too and it makes people think that they could do it yeah and i think um there's a there's a responsibility on the pro you know i I'm not really interested in just like bashing a company because I think that the WTC does a lot of things very right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think there's a responsibility on the professional triathletes to show that we are valuable, you know, behave professionally right. and show that we are valuable to the sport, not just to our sponsors, but to the sport in general. Um, and, you know, there's lots of ways that we can do that. And I think we're not doing it enough. Right. Um, I also think that the WTC could use us in a better way, you know, like if they had like a brainstorm and thought about, okay, if we've got these triathletes going to this Ironman, what, other than racing, what else could they do mm-hmm. in the lead up to that race and to make, to, to kind of make us valuable and add value to their organization? Yeah, you could look at like... Um you know, the NBA, for example, and how they use pros, um, just introducing the pros before the race is just yeah. when you go watch an NBA basketball game or a college basketball game, all the showcase and the amazement and the build up of like, here they are, you know, yeah. and they're ready to race. It's like it's a pro fight or something like that, you know? And, um, yeah, there's so, I'm actually, there's, uh, what, uh, Iron Man triathlons seem to be really primitive in their approach to using the pros. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually talking to uh, Marinda Carfrey the other day and she had a great idea about like not even putting the pros on the pier, but having a grandstand and you can have us, you know, that would be awesome. Like if you had it built up because uh-huh. pe- transition is one of the, 
there's a little bit of action there. Things yeah. happen quickly. And that would be a place where you could introduce the pros to the crowd and then yeah. people get to see them running through into T1 and then back in into T2. And I think that would be so much better than just kind of like you just disappear onto the pier and no one see, sees what's happening. But if you made yeah. it like a spectacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that could really add value. People would maybe pay to be in that grandstand or VIPs from sponsors would want to be in that place. Right. It, it, there's a lot of money to be made on spectator fees that Iron Man's not taking advantage of. Yeah. Because people have this impression that nobody wants to watch triathlons or something. And I think that's crazy. I think that's a that's just a perception. And lots, yeah. of, and lots of people want to watch it. And even if you had more cameras out, sorry, my... Maggie's getting lively. Oh, um, okay. Even if you had more um, cameras out on the, you know, people don't really know what goes on out on the Queen K. I'm sure, it, like, you don't, you, maybe you don't want to see the full five hours of the ride, but if you had a few more out, more cameras out, then there's more opportunity to catch those special, unique moments that, like, a long endurance event like Iron Man brings. Yeah. Uh, but it does require a bit of investment on that side of things true yeah um i think what you do is you make the parts where people can watch it you make that spectator friendly and, and you uh you charge you could charge uh tickets right to see stuff up really up close and then where yeah. you can't do that you do live tracking and cameras mm. so you can you offload that to the web so that part to the web so everybody can see it all around the world along with the audience right there as well so, yeah. 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 I, I do really like the fact that now they're going to have, you know, we get given at championship events, we have a, tracker. We carry a GPS tracker. Yeah. I mean, I hope it gets a little bit smaller in the future, but I think that's great for interaction, yeah. for fans following online. Yeah, it's huge, actually. As, as a fan watching a race, it's absolutely the coolest thing to see. Yeah. Because then you know where yeah. people, yeah, you can follow it because the races are really long. So you can kind of watch it from afar and do your own things in life. And kind of keep, yeah. and keep track of stuff because you want to mm. you want to be there, but you can't be there. But you want to it's so long you want to do your your own stuff throughout the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I got I got a couple other questions for you that aren't about uh, the women's stuff. So, but every, it's stuff that everybody could use. And since you're a pro, um, your input on this is really really cool information. One is how do you set? I love to ask pros this. How do you set up your bike? Okay. How do you set up your bike on the um, for races? So you come out of the water and you hop yeah. on your bike. Like, where is everything on your bike, and what do you have on your bike, and where and why? Um. So I I have my shoes on the pedals. Okay. Um. And I use elastic. Is this what you mean? Yeah. 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 Exactly. This kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I have a elastic. Oh no, we're skyping out. Yeah in my transition bag if I've got like a, a long run uh -huh. so I can have my helmet on and my glasses by the time I reach my um, bike. Okay. If it's a short run, then I will um, like leave the helmet and do it all once I get to my bike. Okay. So it'll be on, the helmet will be resting on the aero bars. Um, I have a bottle mm -hmm. on the, like in a cage on, on between my aero bars. Yeah, okay. Um, and then I have um, all my nutrition 
for an Ironman is in a, like an X slab bento box that's kind of screwed into the top tube of my bike. Um, and I have a bottle on the down tube uh-huh. and then my spares, spares on a rear carrier. So, okay. So you, you have your, like when you say spares on the rear, is that, you mean you like your tire repair kit stuff? Uh, like a spare tub, a pit stop yeah, and a gas canister. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, between your arms on that arrow bar, a bottle. Yeah. Uh, what do you have in that bottle? What do you use in that one? Um, I have like a weak mixture of um, perform like an energy drink, the yeah. power bar energy drink. And I have it quite weak because I, I did some sweat testing. And while I sweat quite a lot, I don't lose that much electrolyte in my sweat. So it's more important to, I don't need a to replace a lot of salts uh-huh. and electrolytes, but I do need to replace the fluid. So, and then I, I mostly rely on, like I'll have some salt, salt tablets mixed in with um, like the ride shots that I have in my bento box. And then I tend to just pick up water on the course and then every now and again, um, an electrolyte drink. So uh, what did you say was in the bento box again? Rice? I had ride shots. So I aim to... What is that? Are they like the power bar chewy things? Oh, okay. All right. So I, t- I try to keep the the gels for the run. So I might have one gel on the bike. Yeah. With caffeine about the 100k mark just pet me up. But otherwise, I just use the right shots. And then once I get onto the run, I start taking on the gels. Okay. I like to switch things up. <laughs> so how many calories an hour do you think you're taking on the bike? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. It's, it kind of comes and goes, but it will be all right. I lost. Um, I aim for, yeah. Um, I aim for like between 200 and 300 calories and uh, I'm not too scientific. So a lot of it is about feel. Mm-hmm. If I start burping, that probably means I don't want any more food for a little while. Yeah, that um, works for me and too. I find, cause yeah. you, your body's pretty good at giving you signals yeah. as to, cause you can put calories, you might, you can put calories in, but if you're not absorbing them, they're pretty useless and they're just going to come back to haunt you on the run. So yeah. I tend to try and look for cues, but yeah, I, I, an absolute minimum of 200. If I can absorb more than that, then I'll eat more than that. Cool. That's really cool to hear. Okay. So then uh, last question for you. I think you are a coffee lover. So what is your favorite kind of coffee? And how many cups yeah, a day? I've actually got one on the go as I'm talking. <laughs> um, I'm trying to control it. So I've, I've like been substituting tea in the afternoon, although I'm drinking coffee now. Uh-huh. Um, but I, when I went to Guatemala, I really got into the Guatemalan beans. And so uh-huh. um, I've been buying the Stumptown Guatemalan bean okay. blend. Um, as a, but that's kind of a treat cause it's quite expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you yeah. make, you, you brew, you, uh, grind your own beans and, and make your own coffee. Yeah. I kind of like the, we've got an espresso maker, but I like the AeroPress is my favorite at the moment. Ah, okay. Yeah. So. And do you drink a cup of coffee pretty much before every workout? So you have that caffeine kick or not? 
Not in the first thing in the morning. I don't have coffee. Okay. So I just have to muddle through the first workout of the day without it. Do you do um, that on purpose? No, but I, I'm English. I like a cup of, my first drink of the day is a cup of tea. Uh-huh. It's a little more gentle. So I'll have a cup of tea and then definitely like before my next workout, I'll have a cup of coffee. And then if I'm struggling for my afternoon workout, uh-huh. I'll have another one. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. That's all. That's all uh, I I uh, wanted to take up your time with today, and I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Oh well, thanks um, for having me. Uh, what's your next race? Uh, St. George Ooh, in yeah. three weeks. No, four, two weeks, and okay. then I've got Ironman Texas, which <gasps> is the big oh, one. Cool. Maybe I'll see you there. Are you racing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just cool. don't be. The, don't let me be the pro that yeah. you. I'll try to catch you. You try to not let me catch you. Yeah, okay. That'll be our goals for the race. Yeah. I, yeah. You watch all over Twitter. I'll say, I'm going to try to catch Rachel, Rachel Joyce. Okay. Get a big laugh out of people when they say, okay, <laughs> go ahead. Cool. Awesome. One time I caught uh, Andrea Fisher, who was a great pro. She's probably retired by now in a, mm-hmm. in a sprint, right? We we're just doing a sprint. Oh, yeah. oh, she passed me. I calculated before the race how long it would take for her to pass me. Because it was like a, it was like a wave start thing, and she was a different oh, yeah. way. And uh, so then she passed me about halfway on the bike, and then I hammered it on the bike to catch back up to her and pull up next to her, and I go, "Hey, Andrea," <laughs> like that. And then I, she goes, "Oh, hi." She's like real nice. And she goes, "Oh, hi. How you how you doing?" And I said, "Good. Okay, bye now," because I can't keep this up. <laughs> <laughs> and she just took off, you know. And I was like, "Wow, that was so cool." So, yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah and um yeah thank you uh with your training oh how's my training or good luck with my training i said good luck with your oh training. yeah good luck yeah i need lots of luck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks a lot bye okay bye-bye thank you all right thank you so much rachel we had a really great talk and actually kept talking by twitter a little bit after the interview was over for like the next day talking about coffee and i sent her i found a video of uh I guess I should post a link to it on the Zentri blog, zentrathlon.com, of a guy uh, making coffee. That's really funny. And then also, um, we talked a little bit about uh, me trying to catch her at Ironman Texas on the bike uh, before she takes off on the run. If I could catch her by T2, you know, what would I have to do? And I pulled out, there's an app called TriCalc. And if you put in certain paces and such, it'll tell you time. You can solve for time, for pace, or for distance. It's re- it's a fantastic app. It's really neat. And I just couldn't believe the numbers that Rachel puts out uh, when I uh, started typing them in. I mean, she's doing the bike in like 440 or something like that, maybe 430. I don't know. It's just ridiculous. She is a beast, man. It is incredible. It is crazy how fast she is. So uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun at the um, at Ironman Texas, and then also I can't get out of my head that she said she got tested for uh, sweat rate and electrolyte loss, and I'm thinking, man, I really need to do that. I don't know where to go um, in the college. I live in College Station. Um, Houston, Dallas, and Austin are all pretty much the same distance for me. I live in the middle of all three of those cities. They're all quite a drive, but you know, a quarter of a day's drive, a couple hours, uh, a few hours to Dallas. And uh, I wonder if I should, I could go somewhere 
and get tested for that and get that problem solved. That would be uh, really, really nice. Okay, let's go ahead and give a shout out to a sponsor. And let's do Amrita Bars. They are on my mind because working with Tawny on the Zendurance project is so much fun. And we're talking about my breakfast where I've been known, uh, this, people have decided to start calling me the Raisin Bran guy. <laughs> and the, uh, the uh, swim I did this morning, I uh, tried just eating an Amrita bar before I went. Usually I eat more. And I started uh, debating with myself, um, maybe, you know, you get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, and I eat a, a big bowl of cereal. And then, it's not big, it's medium, small to medium. But it's a lot of calories and it's a lot to digest. And I'm uh, having to sit around for it to start digesting. And then the first half of my workout, I feel kind of sluggish because it's still digesting. And all that energy is going to your stomach instead of your, um, instead of your legs or your arms. And uh, today, I said, yeah, I'm going to try something different. I got up, had a cup of coffee and an Amrita bar and ate the Amrita bar slowly uh, as I was driving to the pool and got to the pool and had a fantastic, absolutely amazing swim workout. Uh, the energy was just perfect. And actually I actually had a little bit of butter in my coffee just to make it taste good. So I should mention that. But, and fish oil, <laughs> which we'll get to later in the uh, fish oil pills. We'll get to uh, in the training log here in a minute. But anyway, I had just this fantastic workout. And it had everything to do with an Amrita bar. So Amrita bars are super healthy, super clean, super duper. They're just fantastic. And you can get them for 15% off. They have all kinds of different flavors. And Amrita is spelled A-M-R-I-T-A. And they're a huge supporter of the podcast. 15% off with discount code ZEN, all caps. If you go to AmritaHealthFoods.com. And uh, you just Google Amrita and get to their site. Remember, it's discount code ZEN, and you get 15% off. And they're just, man, I just love them. And I just love it that they're a sponsor of the show. And they actually have the coolest gear. Uh, the color of the logos and everything is super cool. And Arshad, the owner, has actually been on Zen Try, And oh, it's so great. Such a great sponsor. So let's go ahead and do a few emails and answer some questions here. We've got lots of cool stuff to talk about. Um, you can donate to Zen in the Art of Triathlon to keep the show on the air and help with costs. And you really do help out a lot with this. And also, um, there's another way you can support the show I'll get into uh, later, which is getting Hornet Juice on the right-hand side of the show. And this is a mix of emails, of donations, and... Uh, responses to buying and trying Hornet juice. So it's a lot of fun to go through this. So we've got donations from Ken Soderquist and then Il Sonier and uh, Kurt F. Oh, and he wrote an email. Let's open this sucker up. Let's see what's going on here. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a long email. Dude, exclamation point. Lots of good stuff happening here. I could ramble on for quite a while, but let's just roll with the other day, okay? I woke up early and decided to get out and rock a run before the kids got up. Dropped off son at preschool and took daughter to YMCA so I could get a swim in. The pool has one lane available all the time for lap swimming, and there's always at least one other swimmer. Lately, they have swimming lessons going on too, and it gets a little silly, if you know what I'm saying. 
Uh, today I walk in and it's totally quiet and just the regular lifeguard. I say, how'd I, how'd I get the pool to myself? He said, laughing, it's pretty cold. They just refilled it yesterday. I dipped a toe in and told him, no biggie, but holy crap, two exclamation points. I swam 1,100-ish yards and couldn't take it anymore. I was thinking of your example the day you forgot your towel and swam anyway. I got it done with my Zentri mindset. Yeah. <laughs> I've been swimming in water so cold where I had to get out after a while. Like I could tolerate it for a while. And then when I got out, this is me talking, I got out and I'm like dizzy from the numbness and um, I'm off balance and I can't, yeah, my, my balance is all crazy and, and it takes forever to warm back up. Yeah. So I know what you're talking about. That's pretty tough. Uh, tech wise, dot, dot, dot. I was on the fence of what fitness watch to finally get as I've wanted one for several years. As a Zentri devotee, devotee, uh, Sunto was first choice until Garmin revealed the Phoenix 3, which is it's a lot like the Sunto Ambit series. Um, I jumped on a pre-order and was really glad when I finally caught up on Zentri podcast listening and found you were rocking a Garmin as well. Funny that I was relieved, maybe, but that's how much stock some of your listeners put in you. Here's my question. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> uh, what are the best online tools for all this training training data I will be collecting? I currently utilize Endomondo, MyFitnessPal, Beginner Triathlete, and of course I'm on Garmin Connect as well. How about a Zentri group on Garmin Connect? I'd love to be a part of that. Anyway, thanks for the great podcast. I may have taken a few years off from triathlon activities, but I have always stayed a listener. Now I'm back at it and plan on supporting you as much as I can. Cheers, Kurt, Fifth Circle, Fossen. All right, where do you store your workout stuff? Well, the industry standard is not Garmin Connect. It is Training Peaks because it covers everything and it is the most technical and most detailed. And you can pretty much dumb it down to whatever you need. So it's one of those things where it's like a car that will turn into a truck if you need it. It's like an El Camino <laughs> or something. But um, it's not the easiest and it's not, it's, you know, the user interface kind of whatever. Um, but the tools, go through a tour of how to use it and the tools are amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I think... Yeah, with uh, yeah, all the Garmin stuff, you can uh, sync right up to Training Peaks and maybe the Sunto stuff too. But um, I love Training Peaks, and if you ever get coached by somebody, I n- almost promise you they're gonna say, um, "I coach through Training Peaks." So I coach through Training Peaks myself. So I coach through Training Peaks. And if uh, you want me to coach you, you're gonna have to start logging the Training Peaks. So you might as well go ahead and get started now. And it's also the place where all serious cyclists and triathletes log their workout. It's the best. So that's where you should go. All right. Oh, he wrote a PS. Check out odinsrevenge.com and gravelworlds.com. These are like gravel bike, off-road road bike uh, races. I've signed up for them. Uh Uh-oh, LOL. Three exclamation points. Are you testing me with exclamation points? Um, Simon Wright sent in a donation and Elizabeth Davis sent in a donation. 
John, this is a funny one. John Burns donated to the show and then turned around and canceled his subscription <laughs> immediately, like within a, within half an hour. I was like, what the hell's going on here? What's up, dude? But I figured he was like, oh, wait, I don't want to be donating anymore after he saw it donate and then he canceled it. But man, come back. All right, John Taylor sent in a nice donation and William Carlin sent in a huge donation. So thank you, thank you very much. That was really cool. Uh, Brett Hoyer, who has the best first name in the business. And Aaron Leff sent in, he's donated plenty before, and he sent in an email with some questions. What did I do? I just lost it. There you go. And here we go. Hey, (laughs) y'all. I know that type 1 diabetes is an issue that hits close to home. I also know that while we've never met personally, I have connected. We have all connected in life other ways. Uh, Emily, my wife, is a, um, this is me talking, is a uh, type 1 diabetic where she has to take insulin shots all the time. Um, I'm riding my fourth JDRF ride this year. I'm going back to La Crosse, Wisconsin, where I rode my first JDRF ride. If you could share my ride page and the importance of the cause, it would be greatly appreciated. And he put a link in here, and it's such a crazy link, uh, you know, auto-generated link, that I posted the link on the um, Zen blog, zentriathlon.com. Go check it out there. In addition to my appreciation, I'll also be happy to make a contribution to the Zen Tri webpage podcast. Don't worry about it, man. Um, while the eating on air may get to me, <laughs> sometimes I eat while I'm talking, because triathletes got to eat, the, and we shouldn't be ashamed of it. The other six hours of each podcast, kidding, well, a little, help keep me in line and working towards healthier living. Let's strengthen the fight and turn hashtag type one into hashtag type none. Cool, man. So go check out the, the link on the blogs in triathlon.com and support Aaron. And y'all with your upsetness over a three-hour podcast, y'all crack me up. Of all people that would be able to have the endurance to listen to a longer podcast, you think it would be endurance athletes. There are so many shows out there that do two, three, four-hour podcasts. And (laughs) when I put out a show that's that long, I get all these comments like, oh my gosh, it's so long. You will be okay. You're an endurance athlete. All right. Let's go back to donations. Uh, we only got two more. Melissa J. Budo and Connor. And Connor sent in a note. And, oh, here it is. Uh, hey, Brett, I've got a question about running with a dog. I always hear you running with Kona. That's my, my big black lab. And was curious if you had to train him uh, specially in any, in any way to run with you. I have a puppy on the way that I plan to run with frequently and I want to do the training right so I don't get dragged all over the road and the dog doesn't dash out somehow and get hurt. Okay, you'll hear later in the show um, my dog dragging me all over the place. So he's not that great, but I have run with lots of dogs and uh, trained them all to be somewhat runnable. Each dog's a little bit different. Uh, my greyhound was so obedient on the leash that you could just tuck the leash into your jogging, the, the hip band of your jogging shorts, and that was enough to keep her by you. That's crazy. But she's kind of fragile, so she didn't want to, uh, she didn't want to pull real hard because they're so uh, light boned, you know, I guess it hurts or something like that for them to pull really hard on their, get pulled on their neck. And, um, but what you do is you run with them a lot 
And over time, they learn if you're consistent and you always say the same thing for left turn, always say the same thing for right turn, always say the same thing for get up on the curb. Uh, I say up and uh, dogs can understand a whole bunch of basic words. And it's not really so much the word, it's your tone and the, the hit of the word. Uh, dogs understand their own name, for example. Um, so, you know, left, go left. And also turn your head and point your mouth to the direction you want them to go. When you say left, and they can, they can hear your voice being projected to the left. And uh, that works and uh, lets them know which way you're going. And so we, Kona and I, we do left, right, up to get up on the sidewalk, cross to cross the street, and he's pretty obedient, um, but when he sees a uh, rabbit, he's just dragging me uh, down the street. <laughs> and we've done dog lessons, and to fix him of this problem, I'm pretty good with training dogs, and to fix him with this problem is uh, it's going to take a dog trainer, which would be hundreds of dollars to, uh, to get this out of him. And I, I keep thinking someday I'm going to get it done, um, but I just haven't yet. And uh, I don't know what to do about that. Okay, so you can support Zen and the art of triathlon. Oh, wait, you can um, run with some uh, little doggy biscuits in your pocket or in your hand. And then when they do something correct, um, or you don't want them to run too far away or pull too much, uh, you feed them dog treats uh, as you go along. And it works. It works really well. And some dogs can be picky. And if one kind of dog treat doesn't work on them, you can always go back to the basics and do lunch meat in a Ziploc bag. And they will flip their lid over lunch meat. Uh, to They'll do whatever you say. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Okay. Let's see. We are about to get into the training log. Like I said earlier, it has a whole bunch of cool stuff in it. I should give a shout out to Sound Probiotics, which is... A probiotic, which is it's food for the good bacteria in your gut. Um, there's so much news and, and science and health uh, information coming out about how bacteria in your digestive tract are actually so powerful and so important to health, unlike anything that any of us have ever thought before. And if... I was just listening to the uh, Rich Roll podcast, for example, and the big thing about being vegan that makes you so healthy compared to uh, being a meat eater, for example, if you listen really closely to the interview with the doctor who's got credentials out the wazoo, it's crazy, is that your um, when you eat vegetables, enough vegetables, you grow a nice colony of, of good bacteria in your guts and those bacteria are actually probably what makes you uh, live longer. <laughs> so it's the bacteria from eating veggies in your guts. And since I've started Sound Probiotics, I keep, I keep uh, knocking on wood. Since I started Sound Probiotics, which is made specifically for athletes, by the way, I have not gotten sick at all. And other people around me have gotten sick, and I have not. So I'm pretty stoked about that. I sound like I'm happy other people got sick, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm just constantly amazed that uh, I just don't seem to get sick. And the biggest hit to your training would be 
downtime from getting sick or getting injured, one or the other. Probably more from getting injured would probably be longer. But if you cannot get sick, you know, if you can avoid getting sick, at least, you know, knock down the numbers of getting sick by a whole lot. Wouldn't you do that? And to also feel better and just to just all around have more energy and feel great and also the peace of mind knowing that you've got the bacteria thing covered in your guts. They say, I think it's like 70% of your immune system comes from the bacteria in your guts. That is crazy. All right, so Sound Probiotics, you can get 10% off by ordering with discount code ZENTRY, all capital letters, and you go to soundprobiotics.com. Sound is S-O-U-N-D. Okay, and I think that's all I have for donations and sponsors. So let's go ahead and get started with the training log. Had a lot of fun on this episode. I think maybe at the beginning of this, I was, this one, I was kind of wiped out, and then my energy levels came back up, and um, lots of cool stuff. Talk, yeah, I talk a lot about swimming, and like I said, fish oil for like the third or fourth time, and... Just lots of lots of really cool stuff, and yeah, lots of running with the dogs, dogs, and all around a great time. So here we go with the training log. Let's roll. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! Yeah. I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself. Training log. April something. Saturday afternoon. Almost one o'clock. Is it one o'clock? One o'clock. Awesome bike ride today. I my legs were just a little bit sore, so I um, upped the cadence and. That allows you to take a little bit of torque off your legs. And um, I remember on the episode with Tawny, we were talking about, she was like impressed with 240 watts. She goes, that's pretty good, you know, whatever. Well, today, same ride, 253 watts. (laughs) And a lot of it had to do with the fuel. I mixed in Hornet juice. I hadn't been doing that on my longer rides for a little while. And uh, some hornet juice, some yucan, some dextrose, and some maltose, and some matcha, which is uh, green tea powder, and that's for some caffeine, and sea salt. And then took off like a rocket, man. Freaking great. Woo! And it's starting to get warm out. And I'm trying to think what else is going on. Oh, after that, I did a brick run. And oh, that bike ride ended up being about. 23 point something miles per hour, I think. Maybe 22 point something, but probably 23 point something. And the, um, oh, I'm going over here. Driving the wrong way. And the, uh, after that, I went for a brick run. Took Kona with me. And uh, there's three ponds along the way. So I let them, no, two ponds. So I let them swim while I ran every 20 minutes or so. Uh, Sorry. Had to answer a phone call. Um, So on the brick run, uh, took off running with Kona and ran for an hour at MAF, which means I just kind of kept my heart rate around, my MAF is around 140. And so I kept it around 140. If I was going uphill, I'd let it climb up to 145, downhill, you know, 135, kind of around there. 
and uh, ended up running an 8.33 pace. And that is just about Kona qualifying speed. That's pretty cool. So I can do that uh, for four hours. <laughs> the trick is you got to do it for nine and a half. All right, I'm going to go inside and grab something to eat. Out, bang. All right, I'm back, and I've got a couple of things for you. I thought I'd do a little throwback and tell uh, funny stories in endurance training, <laughs> and every once in a while throw in something that's happened to me or happened to a friend that was uh, it's ridiculous that makes you realize you're not alone out there in, uh, in all the craziness that happens in triathlon or whatever sport. And uh, also, before I do that, I just wanted to say... Um, that this morning I did one of the hardest things in uh, in triathlon, and <laughs> that is going easy. So I thought I'd describe that a little bit. So I get on the. I, I knew this was going to happen. You have the energy to work out, but you actually know, and you want to work out, like you feel it, you know. And and uh, one of the things that I always preach is you got to continue the habit. Don't get out of the habit of training. So, but then you're in a tight spot. You know. That if you work out, <clears throat> you're going to actually do yourself more harm than good. It's actually not going to be good for you. Um, so what do you do? Well, there's there's two things really. Uh, one is clean your bike. <laughs> it's always nice. But the other one is um, work out, but so gently. It's just kind of like therapy, and this is so hard to do. But I managed to pull it off this morning, and I thought I'd describe how. I got on my bike, on the trainer, and I just pedaled easy, and for the longest time, I didn't look at my heart rate at all. Tawny got on my case about, oh, don't be afraid of the heart rate monitor. I'm not afraid of the heart rate monitor at all, ever, ever. I've worn my heart rate monitor to parties. I've worn it sleeping overnight to see what my lowest heart rate uh, is overnight, so you get your best resting heart rate. So no, that's not a problem with me. Um, the problem is, is if I wear a heart rate strap, well then I'm wearing all kinds of stuff and looking at numbers, and then I'm trying to, you know, have a good workout, and that ends up <clears throat> not giving me and making me work out too hard. So I don't look at my heart rate for a long time, and then after a while I finally look at it, and then when I look at it, then I decide I'm going to try to keep it under a certain number, and. Uh, and then keep it in a small gear and let myself spin up instead of pushing up on the bike. And then I have it on Trainer View, which is my uh, landscape. Uh, it's made by RealTimeAthlete.com. So I'm pedaling through New Zealand. And then I put it, I also have my uh, headphones on uh, Pandora Music, uh, listening to med the meditation channel. So it's, you know, dong, dong, dong. <laughs> and I'm just so relaxed, just listening and trying to keep from pushing hard. And uh, so by the very, 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 very end, oh, and I'm working out in my legs, I can feel in my legs that they're just sore, you know? I'm like, nothing is going to do you any good except for um, just spinning your legs gently and getting the, the stuff out, you know, we're talking a heart rate of 110, one, gosh, for a while it was like 101, so, 
you know, that's really, really hard to do. But I managed to pull it off. And then yesterday I went swimming and I only had, I went swimming at lunch because it was raining in the morning. And, um, <clears throat> I only swam half an hour and I mixed in some intervals with that. Just kind of let my legs hang like, uh, like, uh, just hanging meat. <laughs> oh, did I say I had an awesome bike ride where I did, um, on Saturday, you know, a few days ago, I did 254 normalized watts for three hours and then ran at an 833 pace after that for an hour, seven something miles. And, um, and I did it all like really high cadence and it just trashed me. And then I went to Austin on Saturday night and, uh, partied with Morgan for his 40th birthday and then drove back in the same night. And then Sunday went for a bike ride and just gave up on Sunday after only an hour. I was like, this sucks. My legs were just trashed. So, um, that's why my legs are trashed and I'm trying to take it easy to get everything to come back online. And it's getting close to Galveston, so this is not good. <clears throat> but I just got to deal with it. There's a thing that uh, Buddha taught about. It's like, I think it's 83 problems or 81 problems or 82 problems or something like that. And it's, uh, everybody has, <laughs> wait, how does it go? Everybody has 83 problems, but the, uh, the 84th problem, I've got the number wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, but not everybody has the 84th problem and the 84th problem is the real problem. And then, uh, and then the monk, you know, talking to Buddha or whatever said, well, what's the 84th problem? And he said, thinking that you shouldn't have a problem, have any problems, right? So everybody's got problems. So it's all right. But anyway, let me tell you a throwback story. I was in college and my buddy and I were mountain biking a lot and we entered into a race and I'm used to riding around here where it's kind of challenging, but not really and kind of technical, but not really, but it's all I'd been riding. And, um, the race is out in Smithville, Texas, which is starting to get into the, I wouldn't call it the hill country yet, but it's really rolling and steep, <clears throat> no mountains or anything like that, but technical and, I sign up, I think, for the novice race. There's novice, expert, and then pro. And novice does, like, one lap. Expert does two. Pro does three. I may have signed up for expert because I thought I was cool and then only did um, one lap. <laughs> because what happened was I was I used to smoke cigarettes. I didn't so much any by then, but I was still working all that, all that uh, smoker's lung out only been about a year or two since I'd quit. And um, I thought I was in good shape. But again, I was not in good shape whatsoever. Good biking shape. Because, and I think it just, it rained a little bit. And this stuff, this terrain is just crazy hard. And I take off riding and, I, and I'm like, man, I'm going to do really good. What is, what's it going to be like to be on the podium? <laughs> what, what, what a joke. <laughs> I got my ass handed to me so hard, so fast, so early in the race. I was like, holy crap, I am way out of my league. And then I remember the funniest part, I'll never forget, where my dignity was handed back to me, or taken away, I don't know, whatever, was I was, uh, it was kind of towards the end of the, of the loop, and 
I'm trying to climb up this hill and I'm way toward, I've fallen off so far off the back and I'm trying to uh, climb this, this uh, hill and there's a little bit of crowds around spectators and uh, not much on this one section and they're cheering and um, I figured I was, I was off the back, way off the back, like I'm the last one and then uh, as I'm going up, I'm losing traction and I start to fall over backwards and I'm exhausted and I reach, I fall off to the side and I grab onto a tree and I start pulling my sorry ass up slowly holding onto a tree because I'm so sucky at this and trying to work my way up this hill. <laughs> and then this old lady with gray hair, <laughs> I remember I'm like 20, 23 years old or something like that. This old lady with gray hair starts pat pedaling up behind me and then passes me just up the hill and then I hear a spectator on the side go go Mima, go Mima, or granny or something like that but it was their grandparent so I literally got passed by a grandmother with gray hair on a mountain bike on a, in a race and um, I was just like holy sh something tea I suck at this. <laughs> and um, that is, you know, I didn't know anything. Like that that woman could be, you know, national champion something. You know, I had no idea. But, and that's how naive I was too with the uh, sport. So there's nothing like showing up to a race and uh, sucking so bad that um, you what you thought you were was just totally taken away from you and stopped. I remember when I got done, I, I sat down on the side and I just laughed. I'm like, holy crap, I got so much work to do. It's not the it's not the grandma because there's some badass grandmas out there. It's the um, it's the fact that I was so far off the back when I thought I would be towards the front. It's so different than reality. The reality was so different than what the uh, reality I had in my mind. So anyway, that's it. I'll be back. Bing. All right, I'm back. I'm still in the Zentri Mobile Studios, but it's a it's a day later, a couple days later. I'm at a uh, middle school track watching for my car as Kai, my 10-year-old, is doing run practice for triathlon. He just left soccer practice, and uh, yesterday he was really complaining that his knees hurt. So I asked him today if his knees hurt, and he said no. And I said, well, still we should take it easy. He just played soccer with school. And uh, we'll go home, and he goes, no, I want to go to track practice. And I said, well, all right. <laughs> so I dropped him off there for a bit, went to Subway, grabbed a turkey sandwich with lots of veggies on it, and also um, provolone cheese, that's all they had. I was like, oh, I love provolone. And look at Kai go. Look at him go, man. Go, Kai, run. And... uh He's gifted with my running, which means he's falling behind. <laughs> Running's hard, man. He's not as fast twitch uh, as some other kids. But anyway, the um, uh, well, we had some drama with the bike shop here in town today. But uh, I don't want to get into that. But I um, wanted to say that it's it's the polarized training 
which does minimal, it's kind of like minimalist training. Basically, you do all the hard work, but you only need a little bit of hard work to get faster. And then you spread your easy work out down to almost just a low background hum. And, uh, and sometimes even skip it. And um, it seems to, I had some really good results last fall and winter with polarized training and uh, learned so much about it. got to be really versed in it, really well versed and, um, and coach it now. I'm such a believer in it, but like I have to run tonight and, um, the minimalist polarized training really does allow you to, to get some great results with a fewer hours instead of just going just massive hours. So, um, a little, disappointed in myself because I got away from it a little bit for the past couple months and then started getting fatigued uh, trying to fit it all in and being a dad and having to take I only have one kid I can only imagine if you have like two or three trying to drag kids all over the place and balance all that out and um, be places go to work and travel and fit it all in it's really 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 difficult so it's nice to be able to fall back on the polarized. Um, yeah, so Bike Barn out of Houston is opening up a big shop here in College Station. And what's sad is uh, I was talking to the guys at Aggieland Cycles, which is my old bike shop, my, bi- my bike shop, said that um, Specialized is taking is only going to serve one bike shop in town, and they've decided they're just going to serve Bike Barn and not and not, they're going to serve this new shop, Bike Barn, out of Houston, and not serve um, Aggieland. And that's just going to kill Aggieland cycling because they rely heavily on Specialized and the huge variety that Specialized brings with them. Uh, um, you know, you go, they don't have just bikes, but they have shoes and saddlebags. I mean, just all this stuff. And... Um, you could tell the guys at Aggieland, the guys and girls at Aggieland, are really disappointed in uh, Specialized not allowing them to sell Specialized at their store as well anymore. It's really sad. It might it might kill off uh, this bike shop that's been here in town for 30 years, <laughs> or however many years. All right, I'm back, I think. Anyway... It's just sad. This, you know, it's one thing. You're like, oh well, you know, that's capitalism, and that's a, uh, you know, new business. You got to be ready for a new business coming town. Well, yeah, and you know, the local bike shop scene uh, having to deal with a, a bigger bike shop coming from a bigger city setting up shop in town. That's that's competition, you know, and that's where you do customer service, and you you know, you distinguish yourself from the big guys one way, and you compete. But when uh, your biggest uh, thing that you sell it has now been uh, forbidden for you to sell, <laughs> and the other bike shop gets to sell it, it's kind of like, what? What the heck? So Specialized, please, let Aggieland Cycles sell Specialized stuff, man. You're going to kill them off. And they've been in the community, and they're a great bike shop. 
big bike shop, and they've been in the community for um, forever, ever, never, 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 never. So, anyway, that's my rant. It's kind of sad. Uh, okay, so that's it. I gotta go run out. Bang. All right, I'm out on a Zen run with my doggy Kona. Really easy pace. I got some things to share. I was just telling him, he helps me, I help you. Kona is a, I realized, is a long line of running dogs that I've had. Dalmatian, Golden Cocker mix, that's two. And then Roxy the Greyhound, and now Kona. So what is that, four dogs? over the years I can only be the buddy of so many at a time but I've realized I'm a runner that runs with dogs I always have been always I just realized that except for when I was a kid I didn't have a running dog my brother and I tried to leash up our Himalayan cat if you've ever seen one of those you can imagine what that was like that was a no-go. <laughs> but I was telling Kona, I help dogs be runners and safe and happy and healthy and live long. And you guys help me. You dogs. Totally... A mutual beneficial relationship and they make me want to go out and run and also protect me somewhat while I'm running but I had something to say what was it hold on let me think what was it Connor what was I gonna say I was going to talk about when you start getting better. Oh, well, I used to hate running in my college years. And then triathlon, I had to start learning how to run for real longer distances. Because I knew I had the engine from swimming and I could sprint short distances plenty fine. But I did not like running like to go out and run. Hated it. And I kept hating it. And then I found a trick. Was I started barefoot running years ago. And there was something about it where it was my own. You know, I discovered it for myself and started doing it. And I liked it. And I liked the ownership of it. That it was my thing. It was my take on running, and it was so natural, and I got up to where I could run. I think the longest I ever did was 10, 11 miles, maybe, barefoot. Streets, sidewalks, all kinds of pavement, even on dirt. 
There's a kitty. No. Hey, come here. Big goofball. And after a while, I quit because I got where I was running enough, where I was a good enough runner. I wanted to go faster. And you can only go so fast barefoot for short distances. And you can only go so long where it really starts to mess with you, in my opinion. Leave the kitty alone. What are you doing? Oh, my God. It's like a wolverine. Come on. Leave it alone. Let's go home. I was just talking about how you were good to run with. <clears throat> so, if you're trying to get better at the swim or the bike or the run, you gotta find a, there's a rabbit. You gotta find a reason to own it. Your own discovery to make it your own. then after a while you'll start putting in enough mileage yardage whatever <laughs> I used to ride a fixed gear 50 60 miles as a training or as my training bike all the time I owned it it was mine my thing and that got me to be a much better cyclist And then, it got me to the point where I realized that that kind of stuff was holding me back. You know, it helped me bridge the gap. And you can do it too. And the last thing I wanted to say, oh, well, then I started wanting to do better in races and realized I was finally, finally good enough where I could compete, really compete, you know, with normal gear. <laughs> I was like, oh, this normal gear is fast and fun. But it took me, like, my own path of discovery to get there. And we're all like that. We all take our own way. And then end up in the same spot anyway, because we're all human. In the end, we all want to be faster. Get back into the group. Back into the tribe. So anyway, take your own path for a while. Do your own thing. Get good at it. When you join back up, you'll find that you're actually a lot faster than you used to be. A lot better. A lot wiser, too. Hold on. A mouthful of spit. Blech. wonder why. Anyway. Take the path sooner rather than later. <laughs> Your own path. But also, another way to realize that you're getting better and faster is by accident. You know, you go train on your own for a while, like training on Zwift, the biking game. Then you go back and ride with your buddies, and not on purpose, but on accident, you're dropping them on hills. Oh, no, I think we need to get over to the other side of the road. Come here. Come over here. So one thing I noticed was with me, 
was all of a sudden, all of a sudden, recently with the polarized training, until that really works for me in my schedule, because all of a sudden I started getting podium slots on Strava on my local rides around here without um, really trying. Now we got some nut, nut job stuff over here. No way there's alcohol involved in this. Saturday's ride I was like oh I'll go look on you know like two days later I was like I'll go oh yeah I'll go look on Strava and see how I did out there you know that was not the point of the ride the point of the ride was a high cadence ride at math right? well turns out <laughs> I was second overall ever on a nine minute long, nine minutes. That's a long way. It's probably six miles or something like that. Nah, what do you think? I don't know. Well, for anyway, it's like 24 point something miles per hour. 24.8, I think. For a nine minute long section on Strava. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> and then, I found out I was second place by two seconds. I was like, damn it. If I'd gone two seconds faster, I'd have a, another, I don't have many, I only have like two, maybe one now. Me and Gary are always fighting over them. I'd have another uh, King of the Mountain on Strava. But the whole point is, it was by accident, you know? That's when you can tell you're getting good. Is when you start kicking ass by accident. It's like I always say, my definition of when you're a triathlete is when other people start calling you a triathlete. You get introduced at a party or something like that. Like, this is my buddy Billy. He's a triathlete. When other people say you're a triathlete, that's when you're a triathlete. All right, let's wrap up this run. Gotta go. Come on, Kona. What do you think? Are we almost home? All right. All right, nice morning swim. Good open water simulator. I had two fat, big fat guys <laughs> on either side of me swimming butterfly. So it's womp, womp, pushing massive amounts of water over the lane rope. And there's a, there's a threshold of where, <clears throat> you know, you want some chop in the water if you want to simulate open water swim. And a little bit of swimming around people and whatever. But then it gets to the point where... Um, it's too much, you know, and then you start saying like, man, I can't, 
I can't get in a good workout. It's kind of like if you're out riding your road bike, a little bit of stop-start is okay because you can practice accelerating, you know, give yourself a good kind of sprint workout. But then if there's too much stop-start, then you're not getting in a good workout anymore. Oh, lots of thoughts about stuff. Listening to Daniel Pink's book, Free Agent Nation. It's pretty nice. It's about freedom in the workplace. It's pretty cool. And we got a lot of stuff going on today at W to the ERK. So I got to buckle down, think things out. And actually in my, um, I left an overhead light on in my mobile studio. The, uh, my snacks lately I've been bringing to work is a, a cucumber and kale and hummus. And get hummus that doesn't have a whole bunch of hydrogenated oils crap in it. You can get hummus that's actually clean. and uh, Or make your own. It's actually pretty easy. But I'm at the point where I'm eating kale straight. Like right off the leaf. Like a rabbit. Like like that. (laughs) And also I eat a cucumber um, straight. I don't dice it or anything. I just eat it like it's a freaking carrot. Oh, cucumbers are so good, especially as it gets hot. They're so full of water and they're refreshing. I wonder if a cucumber is actually a fruit. There's a whole bunch of f- vegetables that are actually fruits. Oh, no. Traffic situation up ahead. Okay, well, I got to pay attention. I got two lanes merging into one and a ramp closed. How's that for an analogy for life? <laughs> as you're... Getting older is like two ramps merging into one. Two lanes merging into one and a ramp closed. All right, that's it. Out, bang. Oh, I forgot to say what I did for my swim. Um, Swam the first half hour easy. Basically, I just swam along, just swimming easy until uh, until I felt good. It took about half an hour. And um, then... Second half, I did intervals. I did four intervals of around three minutes each. You know, with lots of really easy in between. Um, you can walk a 50. Or if it gets too deep, breaststroke, elementary backstroke, whatever it takes. Catch your breath for a 50. And also, there's a there's a part of the swim stroke that's really interesting. That a lot of, um, a, a lot of even expert swimmers don't know. And I saw this... Uh, few years back an article that showed a diagram of what was going on and people that have that come from uh, swim teams and have been swimming a long time they uh, they pull all the way through their stroke and their hand is pushing using their tricep their hand is pushing down and back past the waist as the hand starting to enter out of the come enter as the hand starting to come out almost coming out of the water to start the uh, overhead part and um, that's really interesting and then they showed that an adult onset swimmer <laughs> uh, or trap they said uh, real swimmers versus triathletes I don't know if it's like real but you know what I mean um, swimmer swimmers versus triathlete swimmers and uh, triathlon swimmers have um, shorter strokes swimmers that picked up swimming through triathlon so they're not like um, 
you know, they're not like fantastic swimmers like swimmer swimmers are. And they are, uh, their hands come out of the water more like just slightly at or above their waist instead of past their waist. And they're not using their triceps to push the water past them below the waist. It's really interesting. And you'll see in uh, triathlons where, you know, a real swimmer will just demolish the swim. And it doesn't even look like they're trying all that hard. But then they get on the bike and then they, they get eaten alive by the by the, um, the rest of the competition. But the, uh, oh, no, I got more merging. <laughs> Oh my! But again, the uh, if you if you want to be like the fast folks, do what the fast folks do, and do a little bit of research. It's really cool. I wish I still had that document and that diagram. Um, but anyway, uh, you can feel it in your tricep. I always try to coach by feel. You can feel it in your tricep, and it's like if you were. Um, standing next to a table and the table came up to your waist okay and um, now your arms are longer than your waist it depends people have different length of arms compared to their body so it kind of depends but anyway if you were to push yourself up vertically using the table as something to push off of you would put your hands by your waist flat and you would uh, push down with your arms and feel those muscles that you're using, those triceps, and feel how your hand is angled and see how it easily lifts you up in the air. Uh, basically, you're alternating sides, left, right, left, right, left, 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 right, left. <laughs> and you're, uh, <laughs> you're alternating sides pushing like that. And now you're using your whole arm through the whole stroke, stroke for swimming. And apparently people that have been swimming on swim teams and just doing swim, 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 swims, have been doing this there uh, so long that they're used to doing it. And that's how their stroke's different. And that's how they swim better in swim, swims, tri- open water, triathlon swims. There is a little bit of, uh, well, in open water, there's so much chop and stuff. You kind of have to shorten your stroke. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit, but, uh, making yourself like a torpedo and just swimming smooth regardless of what's going on and ignoring all the chop and just swimming uh, does have a lot of value to it. I've done a lot of open water swims where it's rolling and flying all over the place and you can't see jack. And uh, basically you point yourself in the direction you want to go and just swim smooth like that and it works. Especially if you're wearing a wetsuit. And um, in uh, racing... Uh, sailboats and motorboats and there's a few like cutting edge boats where they actually slice through the water and will pierce the waves instead of riding up over them because riding up over them up and down and up and down wears you out and uh, fatigues and slows down the craft so if you just swim smooth and straight and kind of ignore the waves and just swim through them and, and pierce them and just do what you're supposed to do regardless of what's going on it settles you down and you know you're making forward progress without fighting the uh, ocean, which is a losing game. <laughs> you don't want to do that. All right, that's it. I got to go. Bang. All right. Really great morning run. Running legs are back. 
I'm running with Kona near the birds. Got a ziplocker on my recorder so so I don't get sweat all in it. Mm. I made a three-hour uh, fuel bottle on Sunday, and if you listen to me and Tawny talking um, on Sunday, I didn't work out, and I was mad about it. I went for like an hour, and uh, didn't have a good workout, so I cut it short. Um, but I've been using this fuel bottle all week, just keeping it in the fridge and using it uh, when I can. It's just got a little bit of hornet juice in it, which is nice. And man, you can feel that stuff. And uh, uh, my running legs are back, finally. I was running along, feeling really strong. I haven't looked at my numbers yet. Uh, the first half was a little weak because I was just kind of settling in and my food was digesting. My mucilix is what I was eating for breakfast with coconut milk. But let's see. Ah, recovery time, 13 hours. Okay, we got it. Oh, had a 9.06. That's not very fast. I thought I was running faster than that. But anyway, it's, uh, I think the second half was really nice. Probably an 8.20. And um, I had a couple of things. was uh, listening to me and Tawny, and I have this habit of being a... God, what's it? It's called a... It's a good thing, um, except... Well, it's a good thing. It's uh, affirmative listening. I forgot what it's called. But when somebody's talking to you, every once in a while, you say, mm-hmm, so that they know that you're listening. And uh, otherwise, if you're on the phone or something like that, and you just sit there, every once in a while, the person goes, uh, have I lost you? Have you heard me? And so in conversation, it's a nice thing to do. But as a podcast listener, I bet I'm annoying where I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, right? But you notice that I'm doing it like real short, not to interrupt, just to confirm that I'm still there and I'm listening and I'm agreeing. Uh, so I'm going to try to cut that out when talking to her on uh, future shows with the uh, Project Zendurance. <laughs> and, uh, oh, there was something else. Uh, I did intervals on the bike last night and there was something about that that really... Um, what, I could feel it as I was doing it. It was waking up my legs, even though they hurt. And then there's also something where you, um, just because things hurt doesn't mean you can't keep going. And that's actually a mental barrier. Barrier. It's the governor, central governor, telling you to stop, even though you're fine. And so I was pushing through the lactic acid burn and just hammering out intervals. And as I was doing it, I was like, this is going to stimulate hormones that's going to actually make me feel better instead of worse, even though my legs really hurt really bad. And it did. This morning, I was running, and after my warmed up some, I was running. My legs didn't hurt at all, unlike before. And the um, I felt really strong and had really good running form. It was running uh, real energized and, and great. And then what I did was I didn't sip on my fuel until half an hour in to make sure my body had kicked off fat burning and was going. But the second half, I wanted to have a good workout. So I just fueled it just the tiniest bit. Sips every 10 minutes. So at the 30, the 40, and the 50, little sips of fuel. And uh, I guess I'll talk about it now. Fish oil. So if uh, you're all into the eating some um, fat with your coffee to kind of kick off fat burning in the morning, you know, so you're not sort of sugar dependent. Um, 
but you're like, I don't know if I want to put butter in my freaking coffee. I've got an alternative for you that's uh, actually something that everyone would agree that you need more of, and it's fish oil. <laughs> um, so I take two fish oil capsules and pop them in my mouth, crush them up so they leak all out. It tastes all nasty like cod liver oil or whatever it is. And then, uh, and then wash it down with uh, coffee. And first sip of coffee, the flavor's gone. You don't even notice it. And then, um, and then you've got your tablespoon or so of uh, oil. It's probably not a tablespoon of oil. And you're, um, and it's actually really healthy for you. And it's something that everybody agrees that uh, you need more of. And then you can quit the controversy. All right, hey Kona, you ready to go inside? Thank you for running with me. Yes, I love you. Okay, out, bye. All right, I'm back. You can hear I'm in the bathroom, about ready to hit the shower, and I remembered what I was going to talk about a second ago. <laughs> so much crap. Hmm. Was um, I took Tawny's advice and ate a lot more carbs, simple carbs, last night before after dinner, after my workout. I worked out after dinner, after my workout, and before bed, and then um, the other thing is oh, so I'm running along. And listening to music or while you're running or riding your bike is actually kind of meditative. You just listen to like droning on, turn it down real low so that it doesn't interrupt your thinking, but it's just nice and kind of motivational. So turn the volume way down so you can just barely hear it and then let your mind wander. And it's, med it's meditation. Um, things that are important to you that are working in your subconscious will start popping up. But you're running... So how do you write these down? Well, you get in the habit of voicing your concerns, your thoughts, or whatever to your voice recorder app on your phone. And then when you finish your workout, part of reviewing your numbers is to also transcribe any notes that you took. Or you could do it a little bit later, but at least once a day. I would do it twice a day in case you forget once. Then um, you transcribe the notes that you took um, into your to-do list. So, like while I was running, I was like, uh, "Man, I need to, I need to remember to um, find my running belt for my race that's coming up because I haven't seen it in a while." Right? I'm never gonna remember that, um, except for randomly, especially when it's not, you know, doable. But if I put it on my to-do list, then I can look at my to-do list when I'm at the house. I'm like, oh, that's something I need to do. Go ahead and do that. So the thing that they say is if you think it, ink it. And what that means is, you know, if it pops into your head, try to find a way to write it down, either into your to-do list or on your calendar or something like that. And come up with a method that works. All right. I got to the showers. Go to work. W to the ERK out. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up this show. Thank you for joining me this week. No interviews, just lots of fun and chock full of training tips, training and lifestyle and time management tips. So always glad to bring that stuff to you. And if you found any of this stuff, all this awesome stuff, enjoyable, useful, then keep Zentri on the air. Give some love back. And go over to zentriathlon.com and support the show. There's two easy ways to do it. You can do a donation by PayPal, which is the easiest way by far to help 
uh, out the show and also to, to do it yourself. You know, there's all these like, uh, oh, Patreon and uh, so I found a, a new one last night, uh, Fitter, I think. Anyway, um, but those require you to join up and so many people already have PayPal, so you don't have to join anything. You just click a PayPal button and uh, then I left it up two different ways. So you got those two options as well. You can do a recurring donation of less than four bucks a month, which is about a dollar an episode, and then, or else you can do a one-time donation. You donate to the show, and you can ask me all the coaching questions that you want, and I'll be happy to give them to you, the answers to you, and also talk about them on the air. And yeah, I can tell who you are. I watch those donations and know everybody by name, as you can tell. And then uh, there's another way that you can really uh, enjoy the show and get uh, help give back and help yourself at the same time is the Hornet Juice link. Or you go to zentriathlon.com and either support the show at the top or on the right-hand side, a link to Hornet Juice. And that stuff is awesome. And it's uh, a protein mix, amino acid mix that you take uh, right before working out, during and even after if you want. And one packet lasts an hour and a half. So it's a really good bang for the buck. And it metabolizes body fat uh, a lot better. So you're not so reliant on sugar. And it's really good, really good stuff. All the emails I get back, as you heard earlier, are always positive. People order like a four-pack first or maybe a 10. And then they come back and order a 20 or a 30. They're like, holy crap, this stuff's so good. (laughs) And uh, when you order... You get an email from me, a personal email. So you have my email address, and uh, then we can talk. I love it, and that way you're uh, you're helping the show because I get a little bit off the top, not much, but I get a little bit off the top, and you uh, get something uh, that you really get to try out and have fun with. And it comes from New Zealand, so it's really cool stuff. All right, I think that's it. That's all we're going to talk about on this episode. Uh, we've got Galveston seventy point three coming up really, really quickly. And if you want more Zentri kind of fun and good stuff, then go over to Endurance Planet and check out the interviews with me with Tawny Prazak, which is a lot of fun. All right, everybody, stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down out. <laughs>